0: Dads Radio is made possible through the support of the School of Family Studies and Human Services at Kansas State University. Hi everyone, welcome to our podcast series that explores what it means to be a dad. I'm Chuck Smith, grandfather and parent educator, and I'll be your host for the program. This is About Dads podcast number three, Grandfather's in books for young children. In the last podcast, I explored the importance of grandfathers. In this podcast, I will introduce four picture books that feature grandfathers and older men. All the books should be available in your public library. Storytime is a powerful way to reach children's minds. Great authors never preach. Instead, they place important themes In a dramatic context, the experience of drama serves as a motivator and makes a memorable impression. I visited a large bookstore last week looking for new picture books for this podcast. Although many books featured mothers, I found only one where a father was part of the story, and none that included grandfathers. Let's begin with one of my favorite older books about grandfathers, Knots on a Counting Rope, by Bill and John Archambault, illustrated with gentle and glowing watercolors by Ted Rand. The story is a loving exchange between an Indian grandfather and grandson who sit close to each other at night, surrounded by the glow of a campfire. The theme is about love, hope, and courage, Tell me the story again, Grandfather. Tell me who I am. I have told you many times, boy. You know the story by heart. But it sounds better when you tell it, Grandfather. Then listen carefully. This may be the last telling. No, no, Grandfather. There will never be a last time. Promise me that. Promise me. I promise you nothing, boy. I love you. That is better than a promise. And I love you, Grandfather, but tell me the story again, please. The Grandfather tells the story of the child's birth and of the power of that moment. For the child was in great danger. And I was born strong, wasn't I, Grandfather? No, you were not strong. You were sick and frail. We thought you would die. But I didn't die, did I? Tell me about that, Grandfather." As we listen to their exchange, we discover the great adversity the boy faces and the strength he gains from the relationship with his grandfather. Now, boy, now that the story has been told again, I will tie another knot in the counting rope. When the rope is filled with knots, you will know the story by heart and can tell it to yourself. So that I will grow stronger, Grandfather? Yes, stronger. Strong enough to cross the dark mountains. I always feel strong when you are with me, Grandfather. I will not always be with you, boy. No, Grandfather, don't ever leave me. What will I do without you? You will never be alone, boy. My love will always surround you. A second book I'd like to share with you is Christmas Moon, written and illustrated by Dennis Kazay. In this book, the grandfather's absence is painful. It's Christmas Eve, and Patrick cannot sleep. The moon filled the room with long shadows. The curtain stirred and Grandpa's old rocking chair creaked slowly back and forth. Patrick "'turned on the light. "'He rubbed his eyes and stared at Grandpa's picture for a long time. "'Patrick,' whispered Mother, "'what's the matter?' "'My head is full of Grandpa,' Patrick said sadly. "'Mother sat on the edge of the bed. "'It's Christmas Eve,' she said, fluffing up the pillow. "'Let's try not to be sad. "'Before Grandpa died, I wasn't sad.' said patrick i missed him too said mother patrick nodded do you think grandpa is sad like me when grandpa felt sad mother said he used moon magic to chase the sadness away he did that's what he told me secret magic asked patrick very secret so secret you can't tell me patrick said So secret, I must tell you. In a brief, gentle moment, his mother shares a memory that restores a sense of peace as her son goes back to sleep. Kazay's book is about the bond of love and the memories that allow it to endure over time. My last two books feature men who are like grandfather figures. The Dump Man's Treasures was written by Lynn Plord and illustrated by Mary Beth Owens. Back when dumps were called dumps, not landfills or recycling centers, way up in the northeast corner of the United States, in a small village of Shiretown, Maine, Mr. Pottle was the dump man. He certainly would answer if someone called him by his real names, Bill or Mr. Pottle, but most folks just called him the dump man. He didn't mind. That was his job, and he loved it. And oh, the treasures he'd find. Mr. Pottle is an eccentric man with curly white hair. What others see as junk, an old rocker, a wobbly globe, a rusty vane. He sees something worth keeping. Of all the treasures he would find, none were important to him than books. And he could not accept that they would be thrown out. Or destroyed. The dump man wouldn't let anyone throw away a single book. Mr. Pottle offered to fix books. He taped torn pages, glued bindings back on, and set books by the simmering potpourri on his hot plate to hide their musty smells. But still, people threw away books. Mr. Pottle waggled his finger. Shame, shame. Books are treasures you don't throw away treasures. Children in the town agreed because they loved all the books they had received since they were born. So with the support of the children, Mr. Pottle cleaned up, repaired, then gave away all the books he could find. Early in the morning before the dump opened or late in the afternoon after the dump closed, Mr. Pottle Filled a wobbly old grocery cart with books and headed to town. He wheeled that cart everywhere to nursing homes, to back alley apartments, even along the riverbank where the homeless folks slept. Each day he gave away books, books, and more books. The grown ups said, The dump man has gone mad. Now he's taking his trashy books all over town. The kids giggled, What fun! they shouted as they followed him on their bicycles after school. But then one day, while pushing the cart to town, Mr. Pottle falls and breaks his ankle. The children discover him lying among his scattered books. While they gather later at his hospital bed, they discover something they never anticipated. Mr. Pottle cannot read. Make room, move over, they said as they crowded onto the edge of Mr. Pottle's bed. All that day they took turns reading to him, Where the Wild Things Are, Charlotte's Web, Alice in Wonderland. They couldn't finish all those books in one day, so they returned day after day with book after book reading to Mr. Pottle while he recovered. After all, it was the least they could do for the dump man, their dump man, who knew how to find treasures and trash. What radiates throughout the book is the supportive relationship between the old man and the children of the community. Mr. Pottle responds according to his sense of what is true north, and children are drawn to his childlike energetic spirit. My final book tells the story of misunderstanding, cruelty and kindness. Everyone knows what a dragon looks like by J. Williams, illustrated by Mercer Mayer. One of the reasons that I love the story is that it is one of the pearls of my collection, a tale that I have loved to tell in school assemblies. The city of Wu is prosperous and happy until they learn that an army of wild horsemen is on its way to rob and destroy their homes. So the town leader meets with the general, the chief of the workmen, the wisest man, and the leader of the merchants to advise him on how to respond. Because the situation is hopeless, they all agree to pray to the great cloud dragon to come and save their city. The next morning as Han was sweeping the road under the gate, a small fat man came walking up the hill. He had a long white beard and shiny bald head, and he leaned on a long staff. "'Good morning,' he said. Han bowed. "'I hope your honorable stomach is happy, sir,' he replied politely. "'Will you take me to the ruler of the city?' said the little fat man. "'I'll take you to him,' said Han. "'But he is very busy this morning. "'We're expecting the enemy and the Mandarin is praying to the great cloud dragon for help.' "'I know,' said the little man. I am a dragon. Han opened his eyes wide. You don't look like one, he said. How do you know? asked the old man. Have you ever seen one? No, said Han. Now that you mentioned it, I haven't. Han takes the old man to Jade Tiger, the Mandarin of the city where the four advisers take turns mocking him, each from his own perspective. I'm going to set the book down now at this point to tell this part of the story. Some books have to be read and not told. Everyone knows what a dragon looks like can be made richer by the telling. As everyone knows, the great cloud dragon is strong like me with claws like swords and teeth like daggers. And as everyone can see, you're nothing but a weak old man. Suddenly, a messenger rushed before Jay Tiger and the advisors and said, "'Jay Tiger, the wild horsemen are approaching the city, ready to attack us.' And again, the old man said, "'If you give me something to eat and something to drink, and if you talk kind to me, I will save your city.' But Jade Tiger and his advisors were not listening. They rushed back to their homes where they dove under their beds, shivering and quaking with fear, waiting for their death, waiting for their doom. And Han looked up at the old man and said, Oh, kind sir, I'm sorry, we do not have long to live. But if you will be so kind, I would be happy to bring you back to my home and give you what little food and Still water I have. The old man followed Han back to his hut right outside the gates of the city. And there he had something to eat and something to drink. And when he was done, he pushed his chair back from the table and looked at Han. Because you gave me something to eat. You gave me something to drink. For your sake, I will save your city and he picked up his staff, and he walked out before the city walls. Now you could see those wild horsemen rushing toward the city. They were riding shaggy ponies and had greasy leather jackets with fur caps. They had their bows off their shoulders, ready to fire on the defenders on the city walls. The old man dropped his staff, put both hands on his hips, and took a deep breath and blew out and a great wind came up and storms appeared overhead and the wind became more fierce and more fierce as it rushed across the plain and it hit those wild horsemen with such fury that it knocked them back further and further away until they could bother that city no more. And the old man turned and looked at the defenders on the city walls and glanced down and smiled at Han. And now he spoke. Not in the voice of the old man, but in the voice of the great cloud dragon. And now, now you will see what the great cloud dragon really looks like. And three times he hit the ground with the staff. Once, twice, three times. And on the third time he let the staff fall to the ground. And as it fell, a puff of dust rose. And as the dust rose, so did the old man slowly at first, then gathering speed higher and higher. And as he rose, his body began to change. And once, where there was an old man's body, there grew a great dragon's body with scales of gold, eyes like rubies as the face began to change, and teeth like daggers and talons like swords. And three times... The great dragon flew around the city of U, and then drifted off into the sunset. Love, devotion, memories, and power, each found in the precious relationship between a child and grandfather. A loving relationship with the older generation contributes to a child's life. Stories provide meaning for this relationship and give words to its importance. Thanks for listening to this About Dads podcast, brought to you through the support of the School of Family Studies and Human Services at Kansas State University. My name is Chuck Smith, and I am the producer and host for the series. For more information, visit our website at aboutdadsradio.com.